You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Goldhawk Fights Back for You on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. Goldhawk Fights Back for You airs Monday to Friday, 11 to 1 on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. For the not last uh, number of days, we've been talking about Health Canada's wind turbine noise and health study just released a number of days ago. I now have a PowerPoint presentation on the release that had been posted on the Health Canada website um, uh, a few days ago. Uh, it still uh, leaves a lot of questions to be answered, as you have heard from some of our guests over the past few days. My guest today to talk about it is epidemiologist Joan Morris. She's been researching impacts of industrial wind turbines for the past six years or so. She has 25 years of experience in pharmaceutical research and holds a Master of Health Science degree in community health and epidemiology. Joan Morris, welcome to Zoomer Radio. Dale, thanks for having me on the show. Well, most pleased uh, to have you. I, I found the report just as a mere mortal um, somewhat confusing. It seemed to be saying uh, one thing uh, in one paragraph and then in another part of this document it said precisely uh, the opposite. I mean, the overall message was, and the message picked up initially by the news media, that, well, there's, uh, uh, there's no direct link between negative health impacts and wind turbine noise, but then you go on to read, and a careful reader such as yourself notes that, well, of course, it's quite the opposite. Well, exactly, and, and I'm really concerned about the interpretation and the marketing of this report. Um, you know, first of all, it's disturbing to me and to those citizens who are being affected that, that uh, the government agencies minimizing um, the public's perception of these, these adverse impacts and, and that the report should be so confusing to people is, you know, in itself a concern. Um, and one of the things I want to talk about is, um, you know, some of the findings that are related to annoyance specifically. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of gaps in methodology and a lot of biases that I've found in um, both the design and in the, uh, the way that the report's been presented. But we need to realize that the wind turbine noise annoyance was actually found to be statistically related to several of the people's self-reported health effects. And so uh, statistically significant findings in um, the effects of the wind turbine noise annoyance on blood pressure, migraines, tinnitus, dizziness, reports on their Pittsburgh Sleep Quality Index, their perceived stress. Uh, they also had statistically significant findings in their hair cortisol, that's a measure of stress, yeah. systolic and diastolic blood pressure. Now, unfortunately, the study design didn't allow them to really get into the cause and effect relationships there, but the fact that they found them and that they're statistically significant should in itself cause us to raise some pretty significant alarm bells. Well, I mean, in part, to me, it seems like an exercise in semantics. They're saying no health effects, but we do have annoyance. But I think many of us know that the World Health Organization, for one organization, one of many, um, in fact, defines annoyance as a health effect all by itself. Of course. The World Health Organization has... uh, has done epidemiological studies that assess noise annoyance, and they've found that there are significant risks in cardiovascular, respiratory, musculoskeletal effects, depression. Mm -hmm. Um, There's definitely a causal relationship between strong annoyance and increased morbidity. 
And, and what people also need to realize, too, is that what we're talking about here in using the term annoyance isn't just a minor temporary nuisance that, that we use, you know, when we use the, the colloquial term annoyance, like a yeah. bee buzzing around your head or something like this. Yeah, it's an underplayed word, isn't it? Exactly. For people who live in an environment with industrial wind turbines, the exposure can be 24-7, and these residents have no way to turn it off or to obtain relief. So annoyance is is, um, a disturbing uh, level of noise. And we also have to remember that noise is subjective. It's not an objective measure. And one of the aspects that is, is a bit difficult to connect the dots on from this study is the fact that they use the word noise, wind turbine noise, when really all they have done, from what I can understand, is to use predictive modeling based on the output of the sound levels that they get from manufacturers of the wind turbines. In one part of well, the report, that sounds that like that sounds like nothing at all, to be quite honest. Well, it's difficult to really get a handle on from the reports. Yeah. But in one part of the report, it says that they conducted over four thousand hours of wind turbine noise measurements. Well, first of all, I guess they would be sound measurements. But um, I'm not an acoustician. But yeah. as a layperson, when I look at it even further, they say they did at least one actual measurement at each location. And then they said modeling is considered more accurate in representing average wind turbine sound levels compared to discrete measurements. Well, they're using averages. You know, we, our bodies don't work on averages. What about the worst-case scenarios? And what about the, the longer-term effects of, of exposures that are outside of the average but then why are we relying on a study that didn't actually measure true um, levels yeah. and relied on predictive measures? Uh, they used predictive models. And then they go on to say in their indoor sound pressure levels that they were estimated using this specific criterion. And it says the maximum outdoor-to-indoor level difference is assumed to be 25 decibels. Well, an awful lot of uh, a lot, an awful lot of uh, assumptions and estimates going on in this report. I would say exactly. Why are they assuming yeah. anything, and why are they using models? Uh, you know, they they spent two over two million dollars on this study, and they've used modeling. It, it's it's just really inexcusable. Well, I mean, does the report have worth in as much as that? If you read it carefully, if you study it as you have, but you have added expertise the rest of us don't have, that when you look at it, it, it is saying that there are negative health effects, annoyance, with wind turbines. The message is there. It's just being bent and twisted into exactly the opposite kind of marketing mode. Absolutely, absolutely. And it does appear to be all about the marketing and all about the messaging. Um, what they did find, if you look at the PowerPoint, and I have a copy of it as yeah, well. Yeah, I have it right in front of me. Yeah, what they found is that annoyance with wind turbine noise was found to become an issue at sound levels of approximately 35 decibels. Good grief. EVA. But, but you know, you and I both know that wind turbines in Ontario are being situated where the predicted sound levels, these are predicted averages, are up to 40. Yeah. And the actual sound levels are allowed to go up to 51 dBA. So basically the Health Canada report confirms that the current sighting of wind turbines in Ontario 
allows residents to be impacted significantly by wind turbine noise. I wonder and, if I wonder if anyone in the Ontario government, uh, uh, all those people who are very gung ho on wind turbines, know that, or if they have they concluded that from their reading of the study, that would be interesting to know, wouldn't it? It would definitely be. And mm-hmm. another point that I noticed is that wind turbine noise annoyance in the uh, assessments they performed in Ontario actually persisted up to distances of one to two kilometers. So if you looked at all of the residents who are exposed at distances up to two kilometers away from all of the wind turbines in Ontario, and you look at the fact that um, their, their modeling exercises actually show that at 550 meters, 25% of the population would be very or extremely annoyed. Totally unacceptable. I mean, what what technology thinks it's okay to have 25% of people negatively affected by it? Right. If you expose the population of Toronto, according to my calculations, yeah. to that same exposure, you'd have 625,000 people affected, or in Canada, 8.8 million people. Yeah. It, it, how would we react if there was a consumer product or a health product with such profound effects? Well, true I enough. I mean, it's, it's really just incredible. And, and so, you know, you have to ask yourself why this is being accepted. And, and I have some concerns about that, too. Um, and I, I said I'd talk about biases maybe a little bit, too, or some of the gaps that I found um, beyond what I've already mentioned. But even when um, the study was being proposed, there was an opportunity for the public to comment on the, yes. um, the design. And one of the very disturbing statements to me that really raised red flags was that they said, this is Health Canada, the continued success and viability of wind turbine energy in Canada and around the world will rely upon a thorough understanding of the potential health impacts and community concerns that underscore resistance. Well, that's kind of wrong-headed, isn't it? I mean, in terms of a statement of intent? Well, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I read it and I reread it, and I thought, (laughs) how can our health agency be conducting a study when the real purpose looks looks to be to ensure the continued success and viability of wind turbine energy. Yeah, exactly. Kind and, of biased and, and from... And looking at what, what's causing public resistance, because, of course, you know, you wouldn't want public resistance to get in the way. Oh, no, we can't have that pesky public resistance, you know. So, you know, this was a huge issue, and I actually identified that when I wrote to the principal investigator, Dr. Michaud, in uh, mm-hmm. September of 2012, um, that is a hugely concerning statement. And I think we all need to look into that a little bit further. And, and I know you've, you've spoken um, in the past a lot with Carmen Krogh, but she yes. has recently um, um, connected some of the dots on that. And uh, hopefully you can get your hands on a paper uh, that shows some of the, the cozy relationships that seem to but, be happening there. And, and what you're really saying is this report... It, it if it were to establish any link, uh, negative health uh, links between, uh, you know, the op- with the operation of wind turbines, that this report was doomed from the beginning when you look at that statement and ponder it as you did back in 2012. Exactly. And, and if you actually dig into it a little bit further, you find that within the Canadian government, there's a wind technology roadmap industry steering committee. So the Health Canada study is actually linked to that. And the Canadian Wind Energy Association is a member of that steering committee. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, also some of the um, 
people who were on the advisory committee for this um, study design and uh, consultation are actually either members of the Canadian Wind Energy Association or are closely linked to them. Here are the numbers if you have some thoughts on this report. My guest is Joan Morris, who's made a study of it and has a number of, uh, as you can hear, uh, a number of difficulties with its conclusions and some of the uh, facts contained in the report. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Goldhawk Fights Back for You on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. Goldhawk Fights Back for You airs Monday to Friday, 11 to 1 on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. Twelve twenty-two on Zoomer Radio. We're talking about the Health Canada Wind Turbine Noise and Health Study. My guest is epidemiologist um, um, uh, Joan uh, Morris. Uh, Morris, I'm sorry, have I got your name wrong? No, that's right. That's right, Joan, Joan Morris. Morris. Um, uh, on the line, I have a number of calls here, Joan. So let me just take some of them. Here's John on the line from Port Elgin. John, what are your thoughts? Well, thanks, Dale. Uh, in 2011, uh, Environmental Review Tribunal concluded in the Erickson decision, and I'm reading, yeah. uh, the evidence presented to the tribunal demonstrates that uh, wind turbines can cause harm to humans if facilities are placed too close to residents. Mm. So the uh, government, uh, Ontario government, has uh, concluded that 550 meters is a setback because 550 meters and below harms individuals. Yeah. Uh, 551 does not harm you. That is just nonsense. There's no expert in the world that can say that one no. meter is going to be the difference between harm and no harm. And my question is, the, um, uh, the uh, um, Canada report, Health Canada report, mm-hmm. doesn't even address that. No. It, it, uh, any thoughts on that, Joan Morris? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't address that. Yeah. They did do um, modeling exercises and and calculated. That's where I got that 25% from. Yeah. They calculated that at 550 meters or less, 25% of the people would be uh, very or extremely annoyed. One of the things that we also have to remember is that um, the study didn't include children, um, and that's a huge concern. But what about the situations where turbines are located even closer than 550 Well, in fact, you've got John on the line from Port Elgin, and John, you well know, and many of us know, that that uh, single wind turbine in Port Elgin is a lot closer than 500 meters to a lot of homes right there, right? It's within 150 to 200, I believe, 200 meters of of, of residences. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. And then... And, and so you have people, obviously, who are being exposed to, to levels um, that, that could be harmful to a number of people. But we also haven't even gone into the area of thought about the people who sign leases to host these, and the turbines are placed very close, in some cases, to their homes because they forego the right to that 550-meter setback. Right. So they may have consented to have that wind turbine placed closer to their home and knowingly are accepting the risks. But what about their children? What, well, what CEW about has uh, shut down the turbine when it's in a certain direction because uh, yeah. it's an admission that uh, it does harm people in a certain direction. That's so right. if it harms it in a certain direction, it harms it in all directions, in my, is my view. Yeah. Right, so they've admitted there's a problem, and they've Absolutely. admitted that uh, people are being harmed. Absolutely. John, thanks uh, very much for your thoughts. I, uh, Joan Morris, I met a farmer during a protest against wind turbines, uh, rode with him on his tractor in a parade, and he 
uh, told me how he had one of these things on his farm, a wind turbine. Uh, and he also owned property in the nearby town, quite a few uh, kilometers away. And on nights when the turbine was active and the wind was blowing fairly strongly, he would go, he and his wife would go in town and sleep in what he referred to is as his safe house because they couldn't get any sleep in the farmhouse. And that's one of the people who signed up himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I have heard that story. And, of course, we know of a number of people who did not uh, sign contracts, who live in the area, are non-consenting individuals yes, to this indeed. whole process, who obviously have to go to safe houses as well. And, you know, you've, you've spoken a lot about that in the past. As Here's well. uh, Cecilia on the line from Oakville. Cecilia, do you have any thoughts on this? Oh, yes. Good afternoon, Dale. Um, A question for Joan Morris. Um, Has any uh, studies been done on the effects of these wind turbines um, uh, on, uh, you know, things that people may have that would be exacerbated, you know, conditions that people may have, um, lung problems, whatever, that may be exacerbated? Has any studies been done on that? I don't think there have been specific studies done on that, and certainly um, I'm not an expert on that particular area. I know there are there have been physicians who have drawn attention to particular people who might be at higher risk. I've heard, although I don't have the evidence of this, but people who are already prone to migraines might be more susceptible to having those increase in frequency or severity if they're exposed to uh, wind turbine uh, effects. And uh, we've also heard that children, for example, who have hypersensitivity disorders or tension disorders, um, they can actually be at a higher risk of having adverse impacts as well. Uh, but certainly that's an area that not enough research has been done in, and that needs to be done. Cecilia. Well, an example, um, um, Palm Desert down in uh, uh, California uh, has an enormous amount of wind turbines right beside them. And my husband and I used to go down every winter to try to get the dry weather for his lungs. Yeah. And those those wind turbines, uh, you know, the, the year that we first arrived there, uh, we'd never been there before. We were absolutely astounded at the enormity of how many there were. Mm-hmm. And um, what followed was he had to, we had to have him flown home after two months. Uh, everything that had been sort of on hold in his health went totally downhill. Yeah. And uh, it, it just seemed like, you know, when you're talking about this subject here now, and it just caught my attention, I thought, wow, I wonder if that had any effect. Well, uh, Cecilia, I can tell you that Dr. Robert McMurtry, who has been active in, in the field and is a former dean uh, of medicine at the uh, Western University, um, held a wind symposium of bringing together all these experts um, um, several years ago now, and the bottom line there was that uh, if if the wind turbines too close to where you sleep cause you to get uh, less sleep or poor quality sleep, of course that can exacerbate 
uh, any part of your health picture. Any condition, yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate your taking my call and, and uh, uh, being able to hear uh, Miss Morris's uh, comment. Yeah. Thank you, Cecilia, very much for telling us uh, that story. Uh, can you stick around for a few more minutes here? We have a number of people who still want to talk to you, Joan Morris. Sure, not okay. a problem. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Goldhawk Fights Back for You on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. Goldhawk Fights Back for You airs Monday to Friday, 11 to 1 on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. It is uh, 1235 on Zoomer Radio. My guest is epidemiologist Joan Morris, who's talking about the Health Canada study on wind turbines, a study that uh, in its official title seems to indicate no health effects uh, with wind turbines being too close to where you uh, try to get a good night's sleep. And uh, then in the in the body of the um, uh, text saying something quite different, yeah, leaving us with this uh, confused kind of picture. I note, uh, Joan Morris, you say you have that PowerPoint that Health Canada sent out just go to pay the second page, and it's it's all about the wind industry. And it says halfway down, Canada's wind industry has set a vision of twenty percent, twenty percent of Canada's electricity generation by wind power by twenty twenty five. Because it's in this report, do you suspect that's reflecting current government thinking on this? I would think so. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in there, would it? That's right. So, That's right. so, uh, so. In, in, in other words, uh, uh, there's part of the uh, thinking behind the the composition of this um, uh, report right there. So, um, uh, yeah, if, if this were truly um, a typical health report about yeah. protecting the health of Canadians, you would think that it it really wouldn't matter what the industry projected or what the industry wanted. We. Yeah. It should, this should be about protecting people's health. We, there are lots of um, you know pharmaceutical companies who would like to get their product on the market, but we don't put it on the market just because they want it on there. We do well, the health yeah. studies first, and we protect the health of humans. So I, I think in this case, it's very concerning that there seems to be an underlying theme. Well, that's the agenda. It seems to be an agenda, doesn't it? As simple as that. Exactly. Um, I'm that sound is me leafing through this report, and it's. It's kind of amusing. The front page is a picture of people enjoying themselves in varying, <laughs> varying poses. In this whole thing, there isn't a single picture of a wind turbine. Did you true. notice? True. Yeah, that's true. that's true. We don't want to show them what they look like, but don't worry about them in any event, right? Mm-hmm. Let's hear. Let's that's hear. Uh, here are the numbers if you'd like to join in this uh, conversation. Four one six. Three six zero zero seven forty or eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Anne is on the line from Tiny Township. Anne, do you have a thought or two on this? Yes. Hi, Dale. I and thanks so much, Joan. Oh, and Nehus. I know that voice. Yes. Yes, of course. All right. I would like to speak about um, studies that are created by with a certain perspective. It makes a. Uh, a certain bias, and I am especially skeptical when I hear the terms 
models mathematical modeling. <laughs> mathematical models being used when uh, they use averages and not at the upper and lower limits. Well, we heard a lot about that during the dump site 41 battle, didn't we? Yes, uh, we found, we actually uh, had to repeatedly ask for what the inputted numbers were to the study, and we had to do a fre- frequent freedom of information requests, and we never were successful in getting that model. And so I'm wondering, is there going to be a presentation of this report, and are they willing to share their model? Joan Morris, do you know that? I don't know that. Yeah. I, I haven't gone digging myself uh, too much, I will say, in the Health Canada website to see if there's anything further beyond what I have in, in that brief report and um, the PowerPoint presentation that I've obtained. I don't know that anything else is available at this point from what I've heard. Well, it would be nice if, if we could get their model and then put numbers that were maybe more indicative of what's really happening to see what the results are. And if it has been financed in any way by the government, it should be available through a freedom of information or... Yes, but we know, ironically, the mod flow data from Dump Site 41 remains uh, under lock and key to this very day. Yes. Oh. Uh, because the project finally was dismissed and we were very happy with that, we ended up not pursuing it as well, But uh, yeah. and, and the engineer involved actually had retired. But we feel strongly that this is a strong indication that there was concerns that, or why else would they want to hold yeah. it in secret? So I, uh, I also wanted to comment about the comments about the people who live there who, who signed permission. A lot of them would have been told repeatedly that there's no impacts or, on their health, and I'm sure took the person's word for it, and so possibly signed an agreement putting them in in yeah. the crosshairs, but. We're told well, now they can. Otherwise, is what I've been told by many many farmers in the communities. Yeah, but, but Anne, now they can wave this Health Canada report in somebody's face and say, "See." And yes. if you read the first couple of pages, it sounds just fine, unless you delve into it and find out it's not fine at all. Yes, I, I'm so shocked that we're still allowing these type of studies to be done, and I, I'm hoping that we can call on the government for a peer review of this. Yeah. Because this doesn't seem like a responsible. Uh, way, especially if they're trying to get a 20%, up to 20% of our energy being, like, how many more are we Well, how many wind how turbines many would, risk? I wonder how many wind turbines that would mean for Ontario alone at 20%. There'd be a wind turbine every few, well, good grief. Yeah, it would be it seems a, like a lobby document, actually, to get the government to yeah, approve yeah. more funding, more so yeah. than a health study. And thank you. Uh, thanks very much. I think that was partly what you were saying um, um, uh, as as well about this. Yes, definitely. The preamble for the the purpose of the study and yeah. the as you pointed out the the page on the PowerPoint presentation appear not to have the primary focus of protecting the health of Canadians, uh, and that to me is very disturbing. I, I seem with this report, this latest chapter in this whole long battle about uh, wind turbines and making sure the wind turbines do no harm, that there's this growing feeling of genuine anger about how these things are playing out. Do you feel that yourself? Are you noticing that? Oh, definitely I'm noticing it because yeah. uh, we, you know, I've met personally a number of the people who can no longer live in their homes and th- the fact that we're doing this to people right within communities here in Ontario is 
you know, it's inexcusable because these, these people have names and faces and it, they didn't consent to these exposures. In some cases, yeah. they did welcome the project. They had no idea. In yes. other cases, they were opposed to the project. But regardless of that, the end result was that they have a home they can no longer live in. Their lives have been totally uprooted, destroyed. Financially, they've had major impacts. It's, you know, it's, it's understandable that there would be anger associated with that. No question. And... and- <laughs> I'm wondering as well, though, on the other side of that same wagon, if uh, if this report will actually help empower the many groups who are aligned trying to get some fair treatment here with the wind turbine development. Maybe it will be, uh, maybe it's just the kind of thing that some of these movement groups need to spur them on. I agree. I think that's a very valid point, and I think that if you look at the details and you find that there is actually, despite all of the methodological issues and the gaps and the biases, they've actually admitted that at the sound levels that people are being exposed to in Ontario, there are problems, and those problems with annoyance could, advert, could impact your health. I think there's an admission there that really people are going to latch on and do something about it. And, and I should also mention um, that in Wisconsin, uh, there's actually been a municipality whose Board of Health has declared health, um, wind turbines to be a health hazard. Mm-hmm. So there, there's traction starting to gain on, on what people are observing in other municipalities and other uh, jurisdictions. All right, let's take one last call from Earl on the line in Oakville. Earl, do you have a comment or a question? Yes, Dale. All I have to say is that uh, I think this should be made an election issue. I think people should get together and uh, and confront the government with it. With an, with the upcoming federal election. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, take care, Dale. All right, thanks. Uh, thanks very much. Well, if enough of a groundswell uh, develops about this, Joan Morris, perhaps it would be an election issue, and that that election could be coming as soon as uh, the spring of uh, 2015, relative few months away. Well, yes, and and I guess one of the difficulties is that that a lot of the population is not aware of of the issues, and they're not closely impacted themselves. I think in. To large, to a large extent, the people in urban municipalities and in urban environments don't see this as an issue because it doesn't impact them personally. Absolutely. And, yeah, and so you know you, you end up in a in a bit of a numbers game situation. The people in rural Ontario have already spoken in in the past in their um, aversion to reelecting liberal candidates in yeah. rural Ontario. We've definitely seen that. But will it impact overall? That's difficult to say because of the urban-rural mix. No, I understand that. But look at the uh, provincial uh, Tories. They were aligned against wind turbines under Tim Hudak. In fact, promised to uh, impose a moratorium if they were elected, return local planning to local municipalities. They were very much on the side of the turbinistas. True. That's true. And And if you... If you look, I guess not so much in the the last election, but the one prior to that, that definitely did have an impact on the uh, the maps that you saw yes. um, throughout Ontario. Absolutely, it did. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Joan, thanks very much for spending time with us and giving us uh, your perspective. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay. It's Bye pleasure. for now. All right. That's Epidemius Joan Morris. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Gold Hog Fights Back for You on AM 740 Zoomer Radio.